This is The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. We demand our liberty. But this election is not just about what laws we're going to pass. Americans have come back from some pretty tough economic times. We need to stop limiting kids in poor neighborhoods. I declare to you today as a candidate for president of the United States. I'm Ben Philpot, And I'm Jay Root. Well, Jay, uh, you know, since the last time we had an episode, things, the dominoes are starting to fall, I guess. Uh, four people have jumped into the race since uh, the last time we talked. Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Bernie Sanders, Mike Huckabee is the last one. Well, any, any takes, any initial thoughts about these new candidates? Well, my initial thought is, you know, we talked about what we were going to do after we got through all of these candidates announcing and we would analyze their speeches. I'm not sure we're ever going to get there. I well, mean, <laughs> yeah. We've got number, we've got the third one today. Uh, I was, we were talking beforehand. I think it's going to be around August by the time we get through these campaign speeches. And then, you know, then we'll do stump interrupted a little uh, less frequently uh, hitting some of their big campaign speeches. But, uh, you know, it's interesting in all these people that announced today, we have like a little bit of a different part of the Republican Party uh, outside of Bernie Sanders that's that's being addressed. You know, Mike Huckabee is clearly kind of an evangelical. Uh, ben Carson is more of a Tea Party favorite. Carly Fiorina, I don't know who she's <laughs> trying to reach out to. Well, I tell you what, she really <laughs> went after Hillary Clinton. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but she talked about crony capitalism, yep. lack of transparency. Um, and I think she has decided that it's her role as a female candidate to really be kind of an attack dog on Hillary early. Well, it'll be interesting to see how any of these uh, people, you know, move forward. Uh, Huckabee, of course, had a good run in the Iowa caucus the last time he ran for president. He won, yeah. Uh, so uh, clearly he's hoping to uh, to repeat that magic. You know, a win in Iowa probably punches your ticket for at least another two months in the Republican primary. Uh, and, you know, coming in sixth in Iowa pretty much ends it. So we'll see what happens. So it's time again for Stump Interrupted, our chance to break down campaign speeches from the presidential candidates. So far, we've examined speeches by Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. Today, it's the third major candidate to announce and our first Democrat, Hillary Clinton. Now, Clinton didn't have a big kickoff event or speech. Instead, she just uh, you know, announced her candidacy in a short online video. I'm getting ready to do something, too. I'm running for president. Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Now, that, that was, of course, Hillary. But, you know, the first 90 seconds of this video were filled with stories of other people getting ready to do stuff. Uh, so very little of Clinton in her actual big announcement. I think you could argue, though, that she's very well. She's a very well-known quantity, uh, maybe someone who doesn't need that big, giant launch speech like some of the other candidates. But the visuals in the video were uh, very important. You know, they were very specific, the visuals that they were showing. You had working class families, uh, single parents, small business owners, a gay couple, uh, some retired people, and then her with that message uh, of regular folks uh, that need help to get ready for what's next in their lives. When I saw this video, I thought, you know, maybe I've clicked on the wrong thing. Where, where is Hillary Clinton? <laughs> um, and it, it, it struck me that she was really trying to say, I've got a diverse coalition. I mean, it was an interracial couple. It was 
like as you said, a, a gay couple holding well, the, hands. The small I mean, business owners were Hispanic. Right. In fact, they spoke Spanish in right. the video. So, I mean, it was basically non-white voters, which were the key to Obama's election in 2012. Um, so that that was, I thought it was a very, very interesting approach. And it was, it you know, I guess counterintuitive. And that was the whole point was that we're not going to have this stodgy, typical establishment oriented announcement speech. But now since her announcement was so short, uh, we've actually picked a few additional recent speeches of hers or recent events that she's done that she has done uh, to analyze. Here's a clip from an education roundtable in Iowa. Uh, this actually happened just uh, a few days after her announcement. We need to fix our dysfunctional political system and get unaccountable money out of it once and for all, even if that takes a constitutional amendment. You know, I thought this was really interesting. Um, so this is one of four planks in her four-point plan. The other three are, are pretty much what you'd expect, a better economy, stronger families, keeping us safe from attack. I find this one about big shadowy money to be potentially the most interesting. It's an extremely popular idea among the Democratic rank and file and among a lot of uh, independents and even some Republicans, according to the polls that I've been uh, looking at. Um, and I, I sort of see this as a way for Hillary Clinton to keep the liberal base happy. I'm not sure that a constitutional amendment, particularly amending the First Amendment, has a realistic chance anytime soon, but it's a good talking point for her. Right, and you're, you're right. There are Republican groups that are very interested in uh, getting rid of this, you know, shadowy dark money. Um, I mean, even in here in the Texas legislature this week, it's become an issue with a nonprofit who is sending people with hidden cameras to the Capitol to catch Republicans doing whatever. Um, you know, and, and we know the group behind it, but we have no way of knowing the money behind it because it is a nonprofit. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, what kind of traction that gets uh, uh, in the general election. Or if, if It is an interesting talking point. Well, their opposition to uh, outing the dark money may change when right. <laughs> people outing them. <laughs> well, this next clip uh, from Clinton is actually from Clinton's, uh, I guess, famous, infamous uh, email press conference. This is the uh, 20-minute or so press conference she had where she tried to answer questions about using a personal email account for government work. Uh, within that, though, she was also asked a question about uh, contributions to the Clinton Foundation. And here's actually part of that question and the answer from uh, Andrea Mitchell. Could you answer the questions that have been raised about foreign contributions from Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia that abuse women or permit violence against women to the Family Foundation and whether that disturbs you as you are uh, rightly celebrating 20 years of leadership on this issue. And with respect to uh, the foundation, I am very proud of the work the foundation does. I'm very proud of the hundreds of thousands of people who support the work of the foundation and the results that have been achieved uh, for people here at home and around the world. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, we are uh, very clear about where we stand, certainly where I stand, on all of these issues. Uh, there can't be any uh, mistake about my passion uh, concerning women's rights here at home and around the world. Um, so I think that uh, people who want to uh, support the foundation uh, know full well what it is we stand for and what we're working on. So this is where Hillary Clinton's message of getting big money out of politics gets complicated for her, and it's going to allow Republicans to deflect any criticism or a lot of the criticism of their big money ties, which I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot about. The Clinton Foundation has received millions of dollars from foreign donors, foreign governments, and Hillary Clinton, who was 
the nation's chief diplomat dealing with foreign countries at a time when her family foundation was raking in all these millions is going to have some splaining to do. Well, you know, I heard from the, uh, I guess it was Slate's political gab fest. They talk about, they talked a little bit about the, the Hillary money issue and, you know, they kind of posed it in this way, you know, what's worse? Is it worse to be a candidate who is singularly funded by a giant uh, big business or, you know, specifically they were pointing to like, you know, the billion dollars that the Koch brothers may spend on a, a Republican candidate or, or is it worse to have uh, maybe smaller amounts coming in, but there is a direct possible benefit from that for whoever is giving the donation? And I think they essentially just threw their hands up and said, you know, both aren't great. Uh, we need to stop both. But it'll be interesting to see how both then play out in the in the campaign. Yeah, I think, you know, we have sort of a promiscuity of donations from all sides. And, um, and there's just so much big money in politics now. I mean, it just it gets bigger every year. And, and, and you know, uh, I, I, I do think this will be an issue. But again, who who gains an advantage from it, given all the money flowing around us is really hard to say at this point. Well, uh, as we end all of these stump interrupteds, we're going to have two more clips, one showing why we think she can win. Uh, and I guess, obviously, the Democratic nomination, but maybe for this one, we're talking about the general election as well. And then while why she could lose. Uh, first of all, why she will win. Uh, here's a clip again from that education roundtable that she did in Iowa. There's something wrong when CEOs make 300 times more than the typical worker. There's something wrong when American workers keep getting more productive, but that productivity is not matched in their paychecks. And there's something wrong when hedge fund managers pay lower tax rates than nurses or the truckers that I saw on I-80 as I was driving here over the last uh, two days. And there's something wrong when students and their families have to go deeply into debt to be able to get the education and skills they need in order to make the best of their own lives. Now, apparently that trucker message that we just heard is one that uh, Bernie Sanders has actually been using for a little bit. So, you know, maybe that's, uh, again, Bernie playing his role. He's come into the race and now Clinton is using this uh, in in multiple speeches since. Uh, but it's a very populist message, obviously appealing. Maybe it's trying to appeal to, you know, those blue collar Republicans who feel like uh, Republican policies aren't really helping them uh, uh, make ends meet. Uh, I mean, even Tea Party groups don't like corporate tycoons, right? So uh, even though they may you know, hate Clinton more, but we'll see how the message goes forward. You know, obviously she's out there arguing for government having a role in making people's lives better. And the Republicans are saying government's the problem. So right. that's that. Th this is really right in the middle of where this election, I think, is going to play out is the role of government. Uh, and, and, you know, she's she's going to be making that traditional argument and Republicans are going to be talking about liberty and getting government off your back. And of course, here's the cut uh, for why she can lose this election. Because they were um, personal and private uh, about matters that uh, uh, I believed were within the scope of uh, uh, my personal uh, privacy, and that particularly of other people. They had nothing to do with work, um, but uh, I didn't uh, see any reason to keep them. So the email scandal in and of itself, I don't think is going to be the undoing of Hillary Clinton. In fact, a lot of, uh, of the Republicans who want to run against her have their own email problems, uh, including our own governor, former governor, Rick Perry. Um, but this mini scandal, I think I, I would call it a mini scandal at this point, um, 
uh, reminds everyone of why the Clintons have been so controversial, and it sits atop a pile of other scandals, other controversies that we'll likely be hearing about from now until November of 2016. <laughs> Whitewater, Travelgate, Monica Lewinsky, Benghazi, you know, in and of themselves, one at a time, you know, you can get over these things, but they, they do add up. And it, that's it'll be interesting because we've got uh, Republican candidates who, for the most part, are a little much, much newer to the political game. So, uh, you know, they may have their own baggage, but it's not going to be uh, quite as, as heavy as somebody who's been in politics for a very long time since, you know, the 70s. Uh, and so next week, another one of those new Republican candidates, we've got Marco Rubio. It'll be his turn up on Stump Interrupted. You're listening to The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. I'm Ben Philpot. And I'm Jay Root. Our guest today is a longtime, well-connected, and uh, heavily experienced Democratic politician and campaign director. Gary Morrow spent four terms as Texas Land Commissioner and was the Democratic nominee for governor in 1998. Uh, his post-politician life includes leading campaign efforts in Texas for Bill Clinton, Al Gore, Dick Gephardt, and Hillary Clinton. Uh, so are you doing anything for 2016? Oh, you can believe that I am 100% committed to Hillary Clinton. Does that mean anything officially yet? It officially means that that I'm on the telephone with thousands, actually hundreds. I could say thousands, but actually <laughs> hundreds of people who want to know what they can do now in the short run to help Hillary. I mean, we haven't got an official structure in place, but I think we're starting to have meetings. We're starting to raise money. Remember, we had the Ready for Hillary thing going for the last 18 months. And we raised over $600,000 in Texas and had over uh, 200,000 volunteers sign up. So we've got a good, solid base. It's the only campaign I've ever been involved in. The day she announces we've got uh, 200,000 volunteers on, you know, on our Internet, ready to go, ready to put bumper stickers on. So that's a, that's a nice head start. Gary, you were a friend of Bill and Hillary Clinton before being a Clinton friend was cool. Um, tell us about how you first met the Clintons. It, it, it was in 1972? It was in 1972. I had worked as Ralph Yarbrough's travel aide in his last race for the United States Senate. And then uh, when we were defeated in the runoff, I moved over to the uh, AFL-CIO where I was helping register voters. That was the year we passed the 18-year-old vote. So I'd organized voter registration campaigns on 100 campuses. And uh, halfway through that process, this woman calls me on the phone, and it's Hillary Rodham from the Democratic National Committee. And she says, I hear you're registering voters, and I'm here to help from the DNC. Uh, let's get together. So we started traveling to campuses and registering voters. And one night she calls me on the phone and says, uh, Two of my friends are coming to Texas to run the McGovern campaign, and we're looking for a chairman for Young Texans for McGovern. Will you be the chairman, and would you come meet with them? And it was Bill Clinton and Taylor Branch. I, I want to read a sentence that was in the New York Times, and it said, uh, from 2008, it said, Friends and acquaintances who knew her then recall a quiet, intense 24-year-old dressed in bell-bottoms and headbands who was utterly absorbed in her work. Is that the way you remember her? What, you know, what was her demeanor? What was she like back then? She was the most unusual woman I'd met. There was nothing conventional about her. 
but she was also probably the smartest person, woman, I'd ever met. I mean, she was very, very bright, very intense. Uh, I was fascinated with her. I went to Texas A&M, for God's sake. We didn't have anything like that in those days at A&M. And uh, I was just totally fascinated and taken with her. So her last time running obviously had a very long competitive primary uh, with uh, Senator Obama. Um, I think, you know, competitive primaries tend, it looks like they fall into two camps. Either they think it's really good that it's, you know, battle tests whoever wins and comes out to move on. Or you have, of course, what the Republicans have said over the last couple with, with especially last time with the you know, multiple uh, candidates that they had last time running and all the debates that it, it really just weakens whoever comes out on the other end. Uh, it doesn't look like Clinton's going to have to deal with either of that this time, but uh, what, what, what camp do you kind of fall into on that? Well, Ben, this is a very interesting race because, you know, normally, unless you have a vice president running, uh, former vice president, you never... You're, you're having people run who don't really know what it's like to work in the White House and be the president of the United States. And this time we have someone who's actually lived in the White House as first lady for eight years and worked through the process. I'm not evading your question. I, I would suggest that having a tough primary usually works the best. I would suggest the reason we don't have to really worry about that is she's already been through a tough primary, the toughest primary in history, as a matter of fact, the closest primary in history. So I would say she's been battle-tested, and she knows you know, how to do that, run a tough campaign. She'll be ready for the Republican. I think, more importantly, the idea that she can develop some issues and consolidate the Democratic base I think we'll be, and, and talk about issues that real Americans want to hear about. I mean, let's be candid. Both the Republican insurgents and the Democratic insurgents, we have a very narrow base of the issues we're interested in talking about. Most Americans won't talk about other things. And this will give her a chance to talk a lot about themes that she wouldn't necessarily have, get to talk about if it was a really contested primary. She'd have to be more concerned about a more narrow base. I think it's going to be a much more productive campaign, and I think Americans are going to like it a lot more. So if you have the idea that um, you're maybe talking to the base in the primary and, and the question is always whether or not that candidate can expand out to the general population, you're saying she's essentially going to be able to expand out the moment you know, now that she's already running. Well, she already is. Yeah. I mean— you know, the, I thought that was a gutsy speech she made this week. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I never thought I'd see somebody this early in a race come out for a path to citizenship for immigration. That's been a pretty radical position. Well, that was sort of interpreted as, you know, trying to sew up the the, the liberals, I guess, that, you know, you know, being worried not so much of, of losing – uh, a nomination, but you know maybe that people won't be excited, that the liberals won't be excited, that the people who w might support Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, that yeah. she wants to make sure that, that they get excited about her. Well, I think there's there's some real truth to that, Jay. Except I would point you to the New York Times poll this morning. I think it said 58 percent of the people support a path to citizenship. That doesn't sound like a narrow liberal base to me. That sounds like a good working majority, a governing majority. And that's the real key to Hillary. Aren't most people most concerned about having a, a president who can govern? 
And I think she can take positions to prove she can be a governing president. And and we haven't had that in a while. The Republicans, of course, want to talk about uh, the email issue scandal that came up, that she used a private account uh, for her uh, email when she was Secretary of State. And then, you know, we hear Travelgate and whitewater and you know all of these things that they're that that everybody wants to dredge up and there is quite a lot of baggage there i mean and 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 it's 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 made her poll numbers on tr- on issues of trustworthiness sink lower than a lot of republicans that are that are running for office what about that do you think she has a trustworthiness issue to overcome well i think that uh, it reminds me of a story i heard in the courthouse when i first started practicing law and somebody said, well, he's going to have a real problem running for office. The grand jury investigated him. And I asked him about it. It was, some, it was an elected official in my county. And the guy said, well, I've been certified innocent by the grand jury. <laughs> and I'm joking at one level. But Travelgate, Whitewater, all of those things, you know what they all proved? They proved to be political farces where she didn't do anything wrong. Neither did Bill Clinton. I mean, you can say a lot of things about them, but they didn't do anything illegal. They didn't do anything indictable. And you, they spent $250 million on all of those things. And I think that's why the poll in the New York Times looks so favorable towards her, because I think most Americans are saying, my God, well, I've already been to this rodeo. I don't need to hear all of these hard right, Republicans making up all these stories without any facts and and trying to stir up the pot. I don't think it's sticking. So I, I think she's going to have to worry about it. I mean, we have to be very careful that, that she doesn't allow herself to be swift-boated like, you know, Kerry was, John Kerry was, with he wins a Navy Cross, he's an American hero, and it turns into a negative. She's got to worry about that because there is a a political machine that'll try to do something like that. But I don't think in the end, I think this is going to be her strength. I think as they try to attack her, she's going to look stronger and stronger. And the American people know Hillary really, really well. And I don't think they're going to believe the latest attack of the week uh, story. Democrats in Texas have been looking for a uh, a hand up for a while now. Uh, is it way mm-hmm. too early to start talking about what a Hillary Clinton candidacy in 2016 might mean for state elections in 2016? Right now, the the Democratic Party is is really demoralized about what happened with Wendy Davis. And anybody that doesn't understand that isn't really looking at what's going on. I mean, everybody is demoralized. Because we had a well-funded candidate, an attractive candidate, who somehow didn't connect with the voters. And is it because she's a Democrat or because it was her first statewide race? It's a long way from being a state senator to running for governor. Or was it because this is a die-in-the-wool Republican state? And you can pick your poison. My personal opinion is that, that uh, Hillary will move the needle. And once the needle starts moving, we'll see where it ends up. You know, I'm sure there are going to be lots of smart guys in Brooklyn who really live in Washington who think that we ought not spend a red cent in Texas. But I also think that the Clintons have tended to run their own campaigns and have their own views about how you run. And I'm just 
I, it's inconceivable to me that a major political party can spend a billion and a half dollars and not run a viable race. I'm not saying spend $50 million or $100 million, but you got to run a viable race in Texas. And, and, you know, then you, even in my race against George Bush, I knew I was going to lose at the end, but I kept running. And you know why? Because there were a lot of people on the, in the courthouse. There were justices of the peace and constables and state reps who needed me to be out there campaigning. So we had a real campaign so they wouldn't lose. And, you know, I would suggest that the Democrats, by not spending any money in Texas, have left all those people high and dry. And that's why we've lost so many of those elected officials. Uh, I don't think you'll see Hillary Clinton leave anybody high and dry in Texas. Gary Morrow was a longtime land commissioner here in Texas. He's a longtime campaigner, Democratic campaigner in the state, and uh, for the moment, an unofficial uh, campaigner for Hillary Clinton. Uh, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks a lot, Ben. And now, the straight ticket. As Jay and I have said before, we want you to call in and leave voicemails giving us suggestions and letting us know how we're doing. And from time to time, we'll use those voicemails on the podcast. So this week, we have our first suggestion. Hi, this is Jake. Hello, Jake. What's your suggestion? Uh, tell us the most recent poll numbers. I think that would be great information for people to know about what's going on and how the 2016 race is going. Good idea, Jake. Here at the Ticket HQ, we've already been talking about polls, actually, uh, with one big question always coming up. Should we look at polls now, 18 months before the election? Well, maybe, uh, maybe not. Let's look at polls from 18 months before the 2012 election. An average of polls on real clear politics showed the eventual GOP nominee Mitt Romney had an 8.5 point lead over Newt Gingrich at that point. Ron Paul was third, and that seems to argue that early polls matter. Romney had an early lead, and he won the nomination. But... When you look at the polls 18 months out in the 2008 Democratic primaries, you'd find Hillary Clinton at 32.8% and Barack Obama at 25.8%. And Clinton's lead actually grew to nearly 30 points by October of 2007. So things changed there. But hey, polls do give us an idea about what people are thinking, and there's no reason to not see what's up. So a look at recent polls, uh, an average of national polls on Real Clear Politics again on their website has Jeb Bush leading uh, with 15.5% of the vote. Marco Rubio, Scott Walker, and Rand Paul round out all of the candidates polling in double digits. I could run down the 14 other Republicans showing up on this poll, but I won't. Uh, I will add that Ted Cruz is in fifth place. Rick Perry is in ninth place. On the Democratic side, Hillary Clinton has about 62% of the vote. Her only declared primary opponent, Bernie Sanders, uh, along with uh, expected opponent, Martin O'Malley, they're both way down in single digits. The Ticket is a production of KUT News and the Texas Tribune. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at TheTicket2016. You can reach us on email, theticket2016 at gmail.com. And you can call us. Please call us. Remember, we like those calls, 512-943-2016. The show was mixed by Ben Philpot and edited by Matt Largy. Our theme music is by Ben Root. Yes, we are related. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.